0: Hello everyone and welcome back to the Forgecast, my name's Sam Towns
1: I'm Alex Norton And I'm Nick Sten
2: That's right, we have another awesome guest on But before we get to him, let's take a moment to thank our sponsor
1: Today's Forgecast is brought to you by Rob at, you guessed it weber abrasives the place where aussie makers get all of the very best abrasives and more at all the best prices so hit them up at webers.net.au the next time you're stocking your workshop and when you're gearing up for an epic knife making build or leather working project be sure to visit nordicedge.com.au first
2: yeah thanks for joining us nick
1: you're welcome
2: we'll circle back around to you in a minute but uh before that what have you been up to this week alex
1: uh i spent most of it um finished finishing the detail work that i wanted to do on the folding bowie knife uh before i mm. got put up for sale and um just finished that yesterday um, and it was just little detail things that i wanted to do before i was happy to put it up for sale and um yeah, it's now doing the rounds. It just started doing the rounds through the dibs list, of which there are many names. So um, <laughs> <laughs> it is the most biggest dibs list I've ever had on a knife. I, I just sort of slapped this thing out in like six days just as a joke, and everybody loves it. So it's, it's been really good. Um, well, it is an
2: awesome piece. So
1: Finishing the detail work on it's been nerve-wracking, though, with that many mm. that many eyes on it. It's been kind of terrifying. Um, I also started on a um, cutthroat razor made out of the Baker Forge and Tool Shichimai, the Raindrop Shichimai, and it's my mm-hmm. first time doing hollow grinds. So um, I thought, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna sell out and do a hollow grind razor, um, <laughs> just, just because steel that cool deserves to be shown off in the right way. And yep. I love full flat razors, It's my personal favorite style, but it wouldn't have quite grasped the... Because the piece that um, Koi sent me has a fairly thick core, so there's not much going on on the outside. Um, and I kind of want to blast past that and then just sort of spread out the top more and keep mm. that uh, copper line very central, right right down the middle and um, I thought hollow ground would be the best way to do that and um, it's, it's working, uh, I just need to refine my lines a little bit It's uh, the rest of it's all scaly and gnarly and brute forged, the handle scales are going to be um, it's going to actually be a Higunokami inspired straight razor so the actual um, handle is going to be folded over copper it's going to just be beaten up and and antiqued and everything the whole thing's going to look gnarly as hell with like uh, hammer domed pins on it and it's going to look pretty sick when it's done Um, sounds awesome Yeah, yeah. Uh, also working on a trio of friction folders um, that are actually going to be groomsmen gifts for a a mate of mine who's getting married um, and he wanted to do something special for his three groomsmen he doesn't know this yet um and he doesn't listen to the show so i'm safe to say it but i'm also making him a wedding gift uh, of a quite a cool slip joint that i've got to keep secret because he does w- watch my social media quite closely um, <laughs> cool. but he's actually down in tasmania he moved away um and i was really sad about that but he's he's down here visiting and he's here until the end of the month so i'm gonna really try and rush and try and get all this done by the end of the month so um he yeah, has tested me but uh i think people are going to really like the slip joint and i think it's going to be one of those that, that i'm making him as a gift because it's going to be one of those projects i think a lot of people are going to message me and be like oh my god are you making more of those because uh, <laughs> it's something i haven't done before it's something different so um i and then after once that's all done i'm going to be moving back to the tusk project which i'm i've been fanging to get back to i've been dying being away from it because i was really having fun working on it and um I've been getting people messaging me saying, Have you forgotten about it? And it's no, no, it's been sitting on my workbench. I've been wanting to get to it, but somebody had to have a buoy competition. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> Terribly
2: everything. sorry.
1: Um, and the big news is I'm finally getting that mill that I talked about ages ago. Whoop. Ages and Ages awesome. ago. Awesome. Uh, so, yeah, and, and uh, a hell of a lot of tooling with it. As with, mm. just like right with lathes, you spend about as much on the. Extra tooling as you do on the device itself, and, yeah, but not uh, more. Mills <laughs> are worse than leads for that. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, but um, I've, I've, after doing that uh, folding buoy, I I did all of those parts by hand, and I just was like, never again. That was mm-hmm. that was awful. Um, and just happened to redo parts like so many pieces of that build. I had to remake because like one thing was off, and I just realized having a mill in the shop. You know, it's like Niels Vandenberg always says, tool up or die. Once mm-hmm. I've got the tool, it can sit there and I can just go over and use it. And that's kind of what the lathe has been. I don't use it on every project. I don't use it that often. But when I do use it, it's because it was either that or I have to search for a compromise of a product I can buy that I can then modify or something like that. It's so much better to just be able to go, you know what, I need this, I'm going to make this. Uh, mm-hmm. And just be able to walk over and do it. And so even though I'll use the lathe probably once a month, it saves me so much time and money to be able to do that, and the mill will just make that ability even more. So, um, yeah, it was inevitable; it had to happen. Uh, my song of the week is a really oldie, but it's a really goodie. It's um, it's kind of a sweet song in that it's very sad, but it's it's sad in a sweet way. Um, it's by uh, one of my favorite older bands, Doctor Hook. Um, mm-hmm. And if you haven't ever heard any of dr Hook's stuff you just gotta look them up um uh shout out here it's not my song of the week, but shout out to cover of the rolling stone that's a brilliant song mm-hmm. um but the song i actually want to talk about is sylvia's mother it's oh um, man
2: that's a beautiful song
1: it's such a beautiful song it's so it's one of the most heartfelt songs that's ever been done like it it sits among the pantheon of of the most heartfelt songs ever written and it's from an era it seems so quaint because from an era that's very different to today and it's Mm. basically it's a a guy calling a girl that he's he's in love with and he did something wrong and she's moving away he missed his chance to be with her and he's decided last minute he wants to be with her but this is before the internet before mobile phones and he can't just, like, call her up and be like, Baby, take me back. I did you wrong. He calls her house to, to talk her into staying, and he gets her mother, and her mother won't put her on. And so he's trying to plead with Sylvia's mother to put her on the phone. But the thing is, all the time he's doing this, he's on a pay phone. And back in the day, for the young ones in the audience... When you had a pay phone, the operator would actually interrupt you and say, you need to add more money, otherwise I'm going to disconnect mm-hmm. this call. And so he's running out of money, and the operator keeps saying, you need to put more money in the phone, and he's, he's, he's running out of time to be able to plead with this woman to, to put, it, put the girl that he loves on the phone. And it's just it's super sweet, super, super magical song, and, and at the same time, very sad. So, um, yeah, look it up, Sylvia's Mother by Dr. Hook. And if you've never heard of Dr. Hook, look up the rest of their catalogue too. Good choice. Uh, Yeah. How about you, Sam? (laughs) What have you been doing? Uh, Oh, well. Sweating and melting.
2: Oh, man. Sweating my ass off. It's been ridiculous here in Perth. Like, if the heat's not super high, then the humidity's up. And it's just like you're walking out into a swamp out there. It's horrifying. But, um, through all of that, I managed to get a bunch of hammers done, um, and put them up on my Etsy store. They're now all gone. Um, they were gone within, nice. like, three hours of them going up. <laughs> as is your want. Uh-huh. Um, so, so I've been working on more hammers. Uh, unfortunately, all of those are going to have to be saved up for the Perth Knife Show, because I need stock for the table. Yeah. I've also been working on a couple of Hexhawks to put up on the table as well. Uh, they're making a return. Yes. Um, yes. And I've also been working on those engraving sets that I'm going to be selling. I'm almost finished uh, polishing all of the edges on those, so those will be ready to go on my Etsy store very soon, too. Um, I've also booked uh, another cutout, uh, another uh, cutting run of frames for guillotine tool dies, and actually, while I was sweating my ass off today forging hammers, I was also spending time on the angle grinder cutting up guillotine tool die uh, pieces, and got to spend a couple hours on the grinder tomorrow so that I can get to heat treating. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, it's been just production work this week and, and trying to catch up with everything uh, now that I'm settled in my new room and, you know, everything's settling down. Yep. Um, just trying to get back in the swing and making plans for some of the better stuff that I want to bring with me to the show. I've, I took a rifle through those 52, um, <laughs> 52 blanks that I have sitting around, uh, and I ended up throwing out about half of them. I decided that I was never going to finish them. Uh, and so I just tossed them in the bin, uh, and then the rest I kind of sectioned up into ones that I think I can get finished before the show and ones that I know I can't. So, um, that's, that's the pile that I'm going to be working through, but I also want to make a couple of like, uh, a couple of sparring blades and stuff like that to take along with me as well. So I'm kind of running it down to the wire cause I've only got two weeks left. Um, and that's not a lot of time, <laughs> but I'll see what I can do. I'm going to, I'm going to try and, uh, you know, Delve into that well of energy I had back during the 48 hour dagger challenge and try and you know pull some of it back. Um, and uh, into it, um, my song of the week is actually about um, taking control of your life and you know, taking making your way the way you want to. The fact that you, you know, when you realize you can decide your fate, uh, you can steer your life. Uh, and it's a song by Missy Higgins, the the amazing Australian artist. And I've realised that we didn't have any Missy Higgins on the on the podcast, which is terrible. But uh, the song is "Steer" uh, by Missy Higgins. I'm a massive Missy Higgins fan myself, anyway. But uh, it is a fantastic song. Yeah. And it gets stuck in your head. Just mm. a warning. but anyway with that being said thank you very much for coming on the show nick what have you been up to and who are you
0: so i am nick i am a chef funnily enough and i also enjoy making knives um they do say it's cheaper to buy knives than it is to make them however i like making things and i've (laughs) gone down this massive rabbit hole of uh Knife Making Through, which I've met Sam and yourself, Alex, and it has certainly saved me out of the shit emotionally, mentally, many times over. Uh, There's nothing I enjoy more after a stressful time in this industry at the moment for the past two years with what's been going Mm. on in the mad world. Uh, Insecure feelings and anxiety and all of that, Um, it really does help going down to the shed putting on some tunes and smacking some hot metal. Uh, this year we're sort of starting to see through the light at the end of the tunnel and last couple of weeks I've been curating a new menu, which is nice. nice. So big focus on smash burgers and pizzas and we're trying to come up with weird and wonderful things. Uh, <laughs> I think we've probably got... Sounds
1: like my kind of menu, to be honest. I know, right? <laughs> Everyone loves it.
0: And we've probably got the biggest uh, wood-fired offset smoker... It's got the best view in Perth on the river, uh, so I've been nice. utilizing that lately, which is good. Smoking up some wagyu briskets, which has found its way on pizzas, and they were delicious. Mm. Yeah, nice. So that's my week. Solid. um I've been cooking for about twenty odd years, and it's my passion. So, other than knife making, that's it for me. Like, unlike Mister Man of Many Talents over there, he's uh, mm. amazing. Like, and. Through Alex as well, you know, launching Bogan Blades. He was a huge inspiration in that, that's all me. Uh Bogan Blades on Instagram. Um story uh story behind that. So I'm a Bogan, one of my old chef mates said, Why don't you name a Bogan Knives? and there you go. So few orders and you're, whatnot. You're more, more
1: a fan of alliteration. <laughs> but, yeah, that's, that's uh,
2: it for our American audience. Uh, a bogan is basically a redneck, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> basically. A, you know, you,
0: know, you like fire, you like meat and cooking, and living the rough life. But you know, all class. That,
1: yeah, just me- there's
2: just more thongs and boardies when it comes to bogan's oh, flip flops for <laughs> the Americans.
1: Don't and get excited, mullets. people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't
0: go wrong with the dirty old mullet either. um my song, nah. uh, <laughs> growing up in New Zealand, uh, Child of the 80s, there's a song that resonates with the whole generation of us 80s children. And this song inspired the young Maori boys to be proud of who they are and, you know, absolutely stick by your culture and grow up proud. Uh, it's a song by the Party of Maori Club called Yet. Uh, if you've never heard it before, you will get your jiggy on and you'll be singing it. You'll be belting this tune out on the ride home. So it's been How do you every spell time it like? comes on. Uh, Party of Moldy Club. So that's P A T E R E A. Moldy is M A O R I, and the song is Poye P O I space E. Right. Yeah, it's an absolute belter, and if you've uh, got some really bad dad dance moves, and you listen to Michael Jackson, you, this, this song will. Absolutely. That's right on my alley.
2: Yeah, you'll love it. <laughs> oh, I want the only dance move uh, that Alex has.
0: I want to see an Alex uh, Instagram story of this one on it, actually. And uh, hey, actually... hey,
1: everybody knows how much I love getting my jiggy on Instagram.
0: Oh, Alex is jiggy, jiggy, <laughs> mate. That is something else. Yeah, I've got, I've got <laughs> another song as well. It's uh, Who Made Who by ACDC. Uh, I don't think there's any AC/DC on the playlist and. Bogan there isn't, Blades. sadly.
1: Yeah, there you go, that's from Bogan Blades. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Rightio. Uh, well, it's only a matter of time before ACDC goes on there. I mean, it's, uh, probably the only reason it hasn't gotten on there yet is because you can't pick one. You
0: can't no. There you go. Who
1: it's ACDC, who? the gods yeah. of rock. Oh, I know. Mm. And these guys are still going in their 70s. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They only gave up when one of them died. One. Another another one of them died. Another one. (laughs) Yeah, they didn't give up when the first um, one died. They just
0: recently released another album, actually.
1: Oh, did they? Yeah. I thought after Malcolm's character, they were gonna give it in. No,
0: and uh
1: the fire was too bright.
0: Yeah, Brian's back on the vocals for that one
1: too. Yeah, right. Yeah. 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 You go. Angus Young is who inspired me to pick up a guitar in the first place. Well, there you go. I still you have my cherry it. red SG because of him. So. Wow. Yeah. Eh, goose stepping around my high school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah there you go. Yeah. Well, so, so you are our first chef that we've had on the show, Nick. There you go. Interesting.
2: First registered chef, yeah. <laughs> well, that's right. I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure quite a few of our guests would consider themselves home chefs. Yeah, Someone true. who it is their voc-
1: primary vocation.
0: And, and I'm yeah. sure a lot of them can cook better than half the qualified chefs I've seen over the years. So, you know. Oh, mate. Oh, mate. It is madness. Yeah.
1: I still remember uh, once being in a restaurant and having to explain to the chef who had come out to argue the point. Uh, I had to explain to them how I was able to tell the lasagna that they served me was microwaved. Because, <laughs> you know, there's no way you can cook something where it's heated that way and burnt mm-hmm. that way without using a microwave.
0: That's it. Volcano. Yeah.
1: That's it. You can't freeze but, uh, and burn how, yourself. How did, how, did, how did you get into bladesmithing? I'm just imagining this one time you just you know, fumbling with this badly designed chef knife and thought, damn it, I'll do it myself.
0: But it's actually not. So I was, <laughs> I was sitting on my couch one day outside, you know, a few too many beers and I had my weather going. I was drying up some uh, border wall.
1: Um, you are a bogan.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and I was watching <laughs> Alex Steele videos of all things and had a uh, log splitting block there and I was thought, seeing a hammer and a scrap piece of steel, but I can do that. Turns out I couldn't really, but I was hooked after that. And (laughs) Me being the determined bloke that I am, I've now got a full kit, you know, two grinders, anvil, lathe, and it's just one of those rabbit holes. So, yeah, I feel like I make a pretty all right chef knife now, but certainly no expert, but I can tell the bad ones. Um, Yeah, that very, very first knife, it was a... I had a charcoal barbecue going with the wife's hair dryer um, had to go and buy her a new one funnily enough uh, after <laughs> that <laughs> and I had a claw hammer and a stump that I forged on and I mean it right. sort of worked but then I took the angle grinder to it and then I wondered why, why can't this steel hold an edge it should you know like it's a piece of metal uh, mm-hmm. iron whatever it was <laughs> turns out, steel is know, steel that's it uh, that was my understanding <clears> of it at the time so turns out it was mild still i mean it could hold a razor edge but it last two cuts yeah Yeah.
1: through something very soft that's
0: it (laughs) and i look back now i'm like god it's uh certainly i think we all do that yeah yeah that's what got me hooked and then uh yeah my second forge was an old keg from work that i chopped in half and hooked up a leaf blower tooth, put some insulation in there and uh Filled it up with charcoal, nearly burnt down my shed, and my wife went absolutely (laughs) mental at me. So now I (laughs) I, I think that one might be on Instagram. Um, Just the sparks coming (laughs) out—it was something else. Um,
1: (laughs) Yeah, leaf blowers are uh, a lot more powerful than people realise. Oh, and the
0: heat—you chuck in a piece of your steel there, and you're. um, you melted it in three seconds. And where's it gone? <laughs> <I must laughs> <money to> <laughs> uh, and then I built a, a kit forge, a sort of standard nine kilo kit forge. And then I learned all about the, um, the insulation's not too good for you and whatnot. So of course I went and lined it with the, uh, what's that shit, the white stuff, Sam, you know the RTZ. Yeah, that's the one. And then uh, it's yeah. amazing. So anyone looking to line their forge, I highly recommend that. Yeah. And now, uh, two, three years later, actually, here I am. Yeah.
1: That's me. Right. Cool. Yeah. So and how did, how did your anvil end up finding you? My
0: anvil found me. So, or Are you still on the stump? I am, no, uh, I've got two <laughs> anvils, actually. I've got the first one. It's a little Bunnings <laughs> 10 kilo little jobby uh it works (laughs) for small things and then
2: yeah you know it's better than nothing
0: better than than a wood stump uh and then i quickly realized that for you know trying to forge out even a small billet of damascus it's just it does not work so i went to machinery house down near Usam, and i picked myself up a 80 80 kilo job it's it's fairly soft but it gets the job done and yeah, that's me. So I'm still on the lookout for. A I real think Machinery
2: one. House actually. Yeah, I think Machinery House actually import uh, the Akio anvils yeah. from uh, like um, the yeah, ones that you buy off Amazon and stuff like that. They're cast ductile yeah, iron, exactly but that. yeah, I they mean, work. It
0: works. It's not as hard as it should be, but you know, being a beginner forger myself, I don't really want to invest in fuck up a really nice anvil. I want to learn something. You know, learn the skills (laughs) and ruin that one and then when I see that there's less and less dings in the uh face of the anvil, then I'll look at purchasing a uh the better beast of a unit. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. It's um one of those things that you um you just by doing this craft it should just show up your anvil. It should find you after a while. I mean
2: either that Either that, or you hunt down a Bruce Beamer shamble because oh, you know, yeah. they are incredible.
0: I'm, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking that's the way. I think you know. <laughs> <laughs>
2: come come down and hit mine for a while. Yeah, you'll uh, you'll, <laughs> you'll you'll be you'll I'll, be convinced.
0: I'll bring your hammer
1: back to your shop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're a. Uh, uh, yeah, I think you're our first guest that could actually walk over to one of our places and and uh, have a swing. I don't
0: know about walking from uh, Wanneroo to. No. It's 63 kilometers. Oh, with that attitude? <laughs>
1: Maybe yeah. I'm a push bike. Absolutely. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs>
2: with, and with a couple of days. <laughs>
1: With the, mu- yeah. the phone in the back pocket playing just, music on speaker.
2: Just sling a goon bag over your back oh, with, a, with a with an with a Occi strap and Get put a straw on. in there. I straps yeah. the back, you
1: yeah,
0: slap the goon on the way <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I,
2: like, literally every foreign listener right now is so confused. <laughs> we just got to add, like, that he's got to pick up a durry at oh, the server man. and, you know. <laughs> and
1: you got to have another one tucked behind your ear. And a couple of Chico yeah. Rolls.
2: Yeah, that's, yeah it. that's it.
1: Corn jacks.
0: Oh yes. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but if it's not Mrs. Max, send it that's back.
0: It. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, speaking of pies, so will you... uh, be launching a pie menu shortly as well, utilizing smoked meats and beer cheese.
2: Ooh, Whoa. smoked meat pies. Yeah, that sounds good. Man. Shut up and
0: take my that's money. It. <laughs>
1: <laughs> do you do you, do you uh, ship interstate? <laughs> uh,
0: potentially.
1: <laughs> Yeah, drop it in a cooler parcel with some dry ice, that'll be right. It's
0: more of an (laughs) an excuse for uh, Nilsy Nils -nils to pick you up on the way over.
1: Yeah, that's it. (laughs) Because
0: you're in the middle between New Zealand and Perth.
1: Oh. That's it. I like to think that everyone's I, just around me, the centre of the universe in Tasmania. That being, that being
2: said, Niels ne- uh, never mentioned that he was making his trip to Perth. <laughs> he, said, he said New Zealand and Tasmania. He never said he was coming, to, was Perth. coming to
0: Perth. That's
1: the first stop on the way. <laughs> I wonder, a lot of people from outside Australia think that Tasmania is a different country. Um, and it's not mm-hmm. part of Australia, but it's just emotionally... Of Australia, yeah, no, that's it. legally yeah. it is S- similar to Western Australia <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> yeah. what do you mean at the Pretty moment? Much. You mean for the last 150 years? <laughs> yeah, have you seen the new maps
0: doing the rounds on socials? Two, two hours, uh, well.
2: Two hours and 20 years that's behind it. the
0: rest.
1: They've been trying it. They've been trying to seed from the rest of the country for decades.
2: <laughs> I mean, at least we have the economy for it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Only when you're working, Sam.
2: No, well, this is true. You've got to keep the got to keep the state afloat.
1: That's it. It's all on you, mate. Yeah, absolutely.
2: But, <laughs> we're screwed.
1: <laughs> Nick, if you if you um, if I wasn't too far off the mark when I was saying that you you just got a gut full of other people's chef knives and decided stuff it, I'm doing it on my own. I imagine you have some thoughts on the designs that you see out there of chef knives.
0: I I do have some thoughts. So I I got into making my own just purely out of My grandfather had a massive workshop and full on woodwork and loved, loved, loved teaching us kids how to make things with their hands and generally wood and growing up I wanted a metal workshop always and now I've got that and that but yes, it's um, I had a gut full of using knives that were, I'd have to do minor tweaks of them to make them my own. Like one thing I see all the time is a, you buy a knife from kitchen warehouse or wherever all the big name brands i won't name any of them but the uh this spine will give you the massive callus on your on your index finger if you're using the pinch grip so you find you Mm. have to you know round that off and then you you get another hot spot on your on your you know your birdie knuckle that one so you're rounding off the choil and then i thought hang on a minute i believe i've got the skills to make my own um and I have now, and I keep it simple and balanced and fit for purpose, so to speak. Uh, nothing less, nothing more. I don't mind a little bit of fanciness and all of that, but I believe, you know, function over form, as Sam always preaches, and that's absolutely true. Uh, one thing, I see a trend at the moment, um, is the little swept back hill. The, you know, that yeah. one on the very, yeah, the... Uh, oh, that drives me insane. Lame, I, I tried, That's it. I, uh, I tried that once. Um, thought it looked absolutely schmick, and I made one, and I found it got hooked everywhere. So I wiped my knife, and it'd grab yeah. it grabbed up. It's the it's the first thing that hit, uh, hits the board when you're slicing. If you you know chopping or anything, and it just drags up. They're not good. So if you're into that, uh, I'd recommend to round it off and make it look like a little bit of an s so i'll send alex some pictures later and maybe he can do a bit of a demonstration or maybe i will but
1: it's one of those things really because sam and i are always preaching it and and i did that knife design rant video uh, a couple of years ago about it is that a lot of people will repeatedly make a type of knife that they themselves have little to no uh, experience in using and it's good to actually get out there and use those knives because one of those things like that little swept back uh, heel that you were talking about with the point a lot of things if you have not worked in a fast-paced kitchen environment you wouldn't realize that wiping a knife off on your apron or or across your legs is very common just Mm. wiping off muck off of it and if it's got a point pointing back at you um, as soon as you stab, do that you stab, stab yourself in the damn leg <laughs> 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 yeah. i have a tea
0: towel there and wipe it off but also if you're using a more common method or the way we're taught to you have your tea towel on the bench and you fold it over and you, mm-hmm. you pull back through so you can't see that point and if you're not familiar with using that you know muscle memory you're going to slice your finger off and stab straight between those knuckles so it's becomes a bit of a safety issue as well, these things, which I'm, I'm a massive safety advocate. If uh, you can't do it safely, you don't do it. Um, hmm. I mean, you know, risk management... Then why'd you become of a knife maker? <laughs> <laughs> None of us hold safety. safety in that regard. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. One of the more Absolutely.
1: dangerous backyard um, advocations you can have... <laughs>
0: Oh, of course it is. And after nearly burnt down the shed that time, I was like, yeah, right, that's it. So full on, you know, fire suppression in the shed as I can yep. and access yeah. at multiple points to fire extinguishers, got the hose there, should anything go wrong, full PPE. Um, yeah.
1: It's one of those things, actually, no matter, I, I, I am uh, uh, infuriatingly safety savage. I am, like, hmm. it, it drives people nuts if they visit or work in my shed. I know it drives Broden nuts. Um, luckily, my <laughs> wife is the same level of safety, Sally, as I am, so it doesn't yeah, bother her. But yeah. even somebody like me who takes great pains and take will, will happily take go 20 minutes out of my way to do something the safe way, I've had things go wrong. and. Yeah. It just goes to show it doesn't matter how aware you are, how conscious you are, how paranoid you are, how prepared you are, things yeah. are going to happen. But yeah, every time you know something big has happened, I have had an extinguisher on hand or a fire blanket or a med kit on hand. And it's never been a big deal. It's just been a bit of an adrenaline dump.
0: So now imagine if you didn't have those safety precautions in place, what could it what
1: Oh, I wouldn't have a shed anymore, let me tell you. Exactly. Yeah. wouldn't have a house anymore as well. That's a different story. Yeah,
0: <laughs> potentially a wife either. <laughs> yeah, that's right.
1: <laughs> no, no, just oh, think yeah. of how patient the woman that married no, me must out. be.
0: Oh, mate, and mine too. And hats off to all the wives of uh, hobbyists <laughs> out there, big time. Yeah. I mean, we've got a 19-month... Uh, Behind uh, every great
1: <laughs> man is a woman rolling her eyes.
2: That's I'm um, not going to comment. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway.
1: Uh... <laughs> so in regards to that, like those uh... muscle memories and things, um, uh, you can't just sort of be taught those. But would you as a chef, like we've just, I've just blatantly said to people, you shouldn't be making a knife unless you know how to use it. Um, would you recommend as a chef some exercises that are simple, you don't have to be a trained chef to do, that would get you familiar with where the... The hotspots would become on a knife, or where the the danger points would be, so that people can, if they want to get creative with the design, or come up with something new, or think they come up with something new, um, can test it to make sure that it would actually handle well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So there's a there's a bunch of great YouTube videos out there, and uh, Alex Chef Alex, I'm not sure if it's Chef Alex or just Alex on YouTube. French Alex guy French cooking. guy cooking
1: that's the one so he's
0: uh so i'll reference him in the fact that he's uh his technique is fantastic he's not a trained chef as far as i'm aware but he is engrossed himself in this uh hospitality industry and he gets these pointers from the great chefs i mean they're more than i'll ever be or want to be because it requires the next level of dedication but the uh one thing I'd recommend is your knife must be razor, razor sharp. Otherwise, you're asking for trouble. Um, and b- having the confidence in your tools, that's another thing as well. Um, pinch grips and also keeping those fingers out of the way of the blade. Cool. If they're tucked, you know, yeah, curled like you're there. If they're not, you're going to have, this was first cut I've had in probably four or five years, Moment of distraction, bang! Off goes the yeah. end of your finger, um, and yeah, that was just literally two seconds of uh, m- not being focused. So that's another thing as well that you need to take into account. It's just focus and be calm. Yeah,
2: I I found that uh, practicing things like dice chop and julienne uh, yeah. really taught me a lot about knife control Absolutely. and like best best use of a knife. Yeah, Captain and onions, uh, repetition that's what I as well. Called.
0: Yeah, cutting onions, cutting cutting diced potatoes. Uh, One thing I was taught as a young chef is grab uh, three kilos of onions and fine dice them. As fine as you can, chef, but no, that's not fine enough to start again. You didn't didn't go to French
1: culinary school, did you?
0: (laughs) Classic French train. Uh, And then you do the same for onion, carrots and celery and leeks and... Everything like that, and at the end of the day, the chef would throw it all in the stockpot, and you're like, "Hang on a minute!" <laughs> <And> that's what <laughs> you do for weeks and weeks, and you'd think it'd get be, be able to be used for something, but
1: yeah, but you're you know, getting Miyagi by doing that.
0: That's it. Yeah. So, the the true purpose of that task is to to gain control of your tools, and it's just repeat, repeat, but even. Repeat.
2: But even, like, as a person who's not interested in getting to chef-level, you know, mastery of knife work, just practicing those few things a couple of times, if you're looking at making kitchen knives, I suppose, would be helpful in showing you how the, you know, different grips are going to help you in that kind of thing and kind of in uh, refer you to, like, designs that are going to
1: work. Absolutely. You'd you, you you think it... You hear a lot of people say, say like, oh, you know, it's been... Cooking's been around for so long that all of the, the de- possible designs are already done. But then you look at someone like Jell Hasenberg's knives, the handles that mm-hmm. he does, the weird, wacky, bizarre-looking handles. But I guarantee you every one of those is as comfortable as all hell. The they,
0: they look so mm-hmm. comfortable. Like, and you mm-hmm. can, oh, mate. Uh, it would feel like an extension of your arm, and that's literally what a knife is. Uh, if it's comfortable to hold, it's going to be easy to use. Uh, if your knife's not comfortable, and yep. it's got a big, bulky handle. That's
1: or hot spots. That's asking for trouble.
0: Hot spots is another one. Uh, sharp pins can create a bit of a pinch point, and that's just going to take your concentration away from what you should be doing, which is cutting and focusing on that tool and not cutting yourself. To yeah, it's got your mind on. Oh, that's not comfortable, and you find you're not enjoying. Doing
2: the task as well, and balance. Like you oh, know, we um, i've i've had some custom makers who make uh, solid steel knives. Like they actually cut everything out of a, a solid bar, like twenty mil thick steel, and then leave the handle solid. Wow. And it just it's so rear heavy that it just feels ungainly as <laughs> so hell. Have all. giant, giant no But like, but this is the thing is that like, um, you know, balance comes, becomes a big part of it. Like one of the, uh, feedbacks that I had when I first started making kitchen knives was, uh, because I was using unstabilized woods and like doing a whole bunch of sealing on them and stuff, they were still very light in the handle. Uh, and people were kind of like, that's too light in the handle is, you know, it just feels a little bit too blade heavy for a kitchen knife. And I, so I brought it back with stabilized woods, same design. And like, you just had that little bit extra handle weight, hand uh, weight in the handle match that balance really nicely. And obviously, Stabilize is going to last better in a kitchen anyway. Although, I I will say, anyone who's looking to make kitchen knives, anyone, just make sure you hand out a card with it that says, if you put this in the dishwasher, you will not get another one. (laughs) Because so many people do. It's the most annoying thing. I'll tell you what I like
1: in a kitchen knife, uh, a good uh, CA handle finish. Mm. Very nice waterproof uh, system. But one thing I wanted to talk to you, Nick, about while you're on the show is something that um, is either met with groans when I bring it up or confusion when I bring it up. And it's because the rules are so different, even within countries um, across uh, the different states and things. The rules on, um, you know, carbon steel or stainless steel or natural materials or synthetic materials and and all this sort of thing i'd love to get your thoughts on it as somebody who actually i mean knives are more than just uh, a hobby for you knives are more than just a business knives are more than just a, a, a tool that they're, they're an intrinsic part of your week no matter what you're doing you're dealing um, with knives
0: absolutely and um, i'm going to reference nilskin. so stainless is uh stainless not stain never uh, and if you, yeah. if you don't maintain that tool, it's it's going to... It'll rust, it'll crap out eventually, so it's like anything. I don't think the still necessarily should be taken into consideration. However, in regards to health and safety laws and all of that, you maintain it, you clean it, you oil it if you're not using it, or you make it sure it's damn dry. Uh, otherwise you're just asking for trouble and that comes down to cross-contamination and all sorts of things and nasties that you know, if, you're, if you're into that then you shouldn't be in the kitchens, quite frankly um, using grotty tools <laughs> <laughs> uh, with handles and all that um, I'm not too much of a fan of uh, in, co- in a commercial environment using unstabilized products and that's just comes down to the fact that that porous. so, you know, their hands sweat they get icky and whatnot, and if you can't sand back those products to the point where you can clean them and get all that yuck out, then, you know, but again, that comes back down to maintenance. So if you're sealing them off with a nice CA finish, then I don't have a problem with it. And if it's clean and tidy, then no
1: issues in There are, There are states and, and places that won't allow you to use even stabilised wooden hands. No, it's I know, and, uh, hard and hard Tasmania is one of them. Um, HDPE, yeah.
0: Yeah, as far as I'm aware, Western Australia, where we are, is uh, it's not an issue, but everything must be clean like perfectly Mm -hmm. clean and sanitary. They um, absolutely, and they they come around with swabs and check it, they'll check your hands and under the benches and everything, and knife handles Mm. and inside the little trial bit there where the handle meets the blade. That's the number one spot for so
1: if you fit up the armpit of the knife.
0: Yeah, if the, if you fit and finish <laughs> isn't good, then uh, you're going to be failing inspections.
1: What do you what do you think about when you see? Because um, there's a big trend of doing brute to forge on a chef knife. Um, I mean, that to my mind, that's asking for bacterial build up.
0: Oh, it absolutely is. Um, I love the finish. Don't get me wrong. However, it looks great. A, it, it looks killer, brilliant, look. and done. Um, Done well, it's um, it's a nice finish. However, it's often not done well, and there's a bit of scale or something left over, and that is definitely asking for for rough spots and and bacterial buildups and whatnot. So, personally, I'm not a fan. Nothing in the commercial yeah. environment. Yeah.
2: Nothing annoys me more than than brute de forges that still have scale no, on them. It's wrong. It annoys the hell yeah, out of me. Yeah, I've seen one. I, um, I was,
0: seen one recently and you what is that i actually took the guy to the sink and uh scrubbed it off and there's a manky bit of chicken under the scale so no (laughs) (laughs) oh god
1: (laughs) oh no are you sure it was chicken
0: microscopic little bit of something there but definitely wasn't um wasn't oil
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But you also, you know, like it just traps moisture it Absolutely traps all awesome. kinds of crap under it, and you end up rusting the blade. That's
0: it, and then
1: well, it comes back to what you were saying on... before. You know, function has to come first.
0: Yeah. and uh, mm-hmm. when I when I design a knife, I ask myself, "What's it going to be used for?" Mm. Um,
2: That's as every knife maker should then, ask then that question. Then
0: you design it backwards. I mean, I'm not going to go and take it. I've got one on the go at the moment because I can, but a 22 inch bloody meat sword or for lack of a better term the the sole reason for that thing coming to in existence is it looks we could
1: all hope for a 22 inch meat sword
2: (laughs) i don't think my heart could handle it
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh no yeah yeah just it literally just looks cool. no other reason i might chop some parsley with it once its although there's
1: those um what's that japanese uh was a tuna's sword? Oh, the tuna sword.
0: Yeah. Yep. They yeah. um. Yeah, the old katana makers still wanting to practice their trade, so they said, "Oh, it's for cutting up fish." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Which, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, are brilliant. But that's uh, again. It's fit for purpose. You know. Mm.
2: Yes, very specific. Very specific very specific build. Purpose, yep.
0: yeah. and that's what I love about the Japanese blades.
1: Uh, and oh man, I mean. Speaking of the, all of... Them, I mean, there's there's different... There's French-style cooking style cooking blades. There's English-style cooking blades. There's even specialised knives from Greece, Greek cooking. Yep. Um, but I do have a challenge question for you. As an, a knife enthusiast in the biz, what would your two Desert Island knives be? They're the ones that you get to use for the rest of your days and you just got to make do. I would... In terms of practicality and coolness.
0: Practicality and coolness as... One of them has to be the recent knife I've just finished. It's actually one of the smallest chef knives I've ever made. Excuse me. Uh, like a about, Yeah, seven inch. So it's a almost full size chef, but it is laser thin. It's, I pick it up, it's just like nothing. I don't have craps after I've been using it all day. And absolutely fantastic. And I can do 90% of my jobs with that. The other one would be, which I have not made yet, but a serrated thin serrated knife and I mean if you can't get through anything you know what I mean like you, you've got to have a serrated blade for, for something you can saw you can hmm. yeah well that's my second yeah, go to right. yeah long long I'm thing. not I'm not agreeing but okay <laughs> otherwise yeah. a very close second would be a phone and knife yeah yeah, right. yeah.
2: I, I I absolutely abhor serrations. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're good in like very specific yes. situations, oh, exactly. but so often they are. Unnecessary. I'm going to make
1: a sawback K-tip Gyuto just to piss you off, Sam.
2: <laughs> I, I mean, go for it. I mean, I'm sure someone will buy it. Somebody probably. Actually, would. I mean, I could see that being useful if you wanted to use it to like saw through bone or yeah, something. Yeah. And, uh... yeah. So that,
0: that's nice. Yeah. I mean, Didn't
2: ask if I was allowed an
1: axe or not, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it'll be a French sawback, so it's actually a bread knife on the back. No <laughs> oh, God, no! <laughs> is it Please. offset? We're getting through <laughs> <that>. Yeah. <laughs> uh, why don't you use yeah. an
0: offset serrated knife? And I, this is going back years ago up in the mines, and it was brilliant, absolutely amazing. There.
1: Yeah, yeah. you don't see them very often no, anymore. No, huh? little offset, Joby.
0: Yeah. Joggy. yeah
1: people are usually um, cutting through their little wanky sourdough lobes and things with them and they just need <laughs> the straight inline ones.
0: That's the one. Yeah. You
1: know they yep. they got the in-laws over for for brunch and they've got to make it look really Oh, <laughs> as we're cutting at the table. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah, on understand. on their resin infused cutting board.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: That's it. As long as it ain't glass. So oh, no, glass.
0: No, no no glass in the knives, please. <laughs>
1: Oh God! Yeah, yeah. glass
2: cutting guns. boards are like the devil's work. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's 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 um it's all a conspiracy from from Big Blade, You're trying to make yeah. you buy more knives. That's
2: it. Even even worse is those crenelated ones, like the like frosted kind of pattern, uh-huh. bumpy surfaced ones. They just ruin edges oh, it, it so fast. Even the,
0: the ones that we're mandated to use in the industry, the the vinyl plastic jobs—they um, they're horrible for your knife edge, and finding them having yeah. to give my knife a little tickle on a stone, probably weekly. But I'm high grit, so you know, four thousand, eight thousand grit stones, and three four minutes job done. Mm. So yeah,
1: I like a nicely oiled end grain cutting board. That would be a dream. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, still,
2: still want to make me one of those.
1: We, uh, we do have a listener email that uh, you're welcome to pitch in on, um, Nick, because it's um, uh, with your recent telling of your story of how you got started, you may actually want to weigh in on this. Um, it's from Nicholas Kerr, and he says, Hello, sirs. I have been listening to your podcast a little, and I started forging last week. I have been using pliers as tongs and keep getting my hands too hot. I've been trying to forge my own tongs, but since I've never done it before, it is a struggle that I enjoy. Would you suggest that I keep working on making my own tongs using pliers, or should I just buy my first set? If I buy them, do you suggest getting some already made or getting ones that I have to finish? That's a very good question.
2: It is. That's a brilliant question. Uh,
1: let's let's go round the table because I'm sure we all have thoughts on this. Sam, what are you? What do you reckon?
2: <laughs> well, I, I mean, it, my my feelings are are multiple. Um, I I don't believe that buying tongs is necessary um, because there are so many different designs of tongs that you can make stupidly easily. Um, to get you going, that uh, I don't think it's necessary. One of my favorite uh, recommendations for beginning smiths is the uh, the two flat bar with a bolt through it, twisted. Mm-hmm. Um, Swallow Forge did a really good video on it on YouTube if you are interested. Um, but it's literally the simplest form of tongs. It's literally just two pieces of inch by quarter inch flat bar with a bolt through them. Heat it up and you bend and you twist the nibs ninety degrees, and bang, you have a pair of tongs. Um, they're not going to be the best tongs, they're not going to hold anything very well, but at least they get you started. Um, and then you've got stuff like the African-style ring tongs that you can make. Which Rune Bertram um,
1: Nielsen did a really good video on showing a comparison of, um, like, more Anglo-Saxon tongs, Viking tongs, and African tongs, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was,
2: uh, yeah, uh, Viking, modern, and, uh, and an African, African, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and Black Bear Forge has done a video on it as well. Um, But yeah, there are so many different forms of of tong making you can do that don't require a lot of forge work um, that I don't think it's necessary. If you want to buy a set of tongs and you have the money for it, I don't think that's an issue. Uh, And if you're going to buy them, don't buy the prefab unless you're going to buy something like Ken's Custom Iron tongs, like the POS tongs, which are actually good. Um, but a lot of the twist jaw tongs you can buy on the market these days just don't hold up. So you may as well spend the money on a decent pair from something like blacksmith's Depot.
1: Yeah. I, um, I, I'm, I am somebody that I, I, I like to stress in people making, um, choices in how they learn something that will have long term benefits. And it makes me a horrible teacher because they force people to sit through, um, you <laughs> know, repeated processes Mm -hmm. of things because i i know i've I've been there everybody that that is where they are in blacksmithing has been there or any craft there's the time there's a a sort of a a period you have to go through it's almost just like a hazing period as a a new person in any craft where you want to try and find the easy fast way to do it and you think there's got to be some quicker easier way to, to do this that people aren't seeing because they're just being traditionalist or, or whatnot um, and mm-hmm. and it, it I understand that that is a natural part of learning any new craft but you have to understand that blacksmithing has been around for a very long time it's all been worked out um, mm-hmm. and everybody has tried everything a hundred different ways from Sunday um, and the only thing that you will never be able to buy in a shop I mean you can go and buy tongs that I bought my first set of tongs. I didn't didn't make them. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can go and buy them. but The only thing that you can't go and buy from a shop is good hammer technique. And Mm -hmm. uh, the the understanding of how steel moves. And a really good way to get that is to make a set of tongs. Because not only does the process of making even a shitty pair of tongs teach you some really valuable forging uh, techniques. It teaches you how steel heats. It teaches you mm-hmm. how steel moves. It teaches you what to expect in the movement of that product. Um, but when you're done, even if they're dodgy, like most people's first set of tongs are, they're yours. And you made mm-hmm. them, and you can be bloody proud of them. And the lessons that you would have learned in making them, I guarantee you, your second set will be better. And then your third yeah. set will be better again. Because whether you're forging... A knife, um, a a stake-turning tool, or a wrought iron gate. There is a set of forging techniques um, that are universal across them all. And understanding Mm -hmm. how they work, the only way to do it, and to have that skill set, is to actually get in and pay your dues and do the yards. And I know it sucks, and I know that your beginner brain is going to be auto, always thinking there's got to be an easier way. The easiest way is to just learn it um, and have fun doing it, and and have this you know manky pe- set of tongs afterwards that you can be proud of because you fought through and you got it working. Um, so if you want to get started quick, buy a set of tongs. But you should, um, at some stage soon, make a set.
2: I will also add an addendum to that, in that you don't have to make the style of tongs that you see most regularly sold. Yeah, yeah. Um, Most of, like, 90% of the tongs that I have are based on designs by Roy Adams at Chrysandler Ironworks. Yeah. They are forged from inch by quarter inch flat bar, they're insanely easy to forge by hand, uh, and they hold pretty much everything you need to hold, Mm. so go over to Christend and Ironworks channel and check those out because for a beginner or an experienced Smith, they are probably the easiest and best tongs for like quick work. Um, you know, they just, and they're so much easier than trying to make modern style tongs.
1: And his tutorials are really, really clean and, and nice to listen to as well. Um, and when, yeah. once you get more confident with forging, which, you know, six months from now, you, you might have been doing this every week and gotten and done the yards and gotten the practice in and your technique might be down, then start watching the videos of Dan Moss. Um, mm-hmm. I, I personally, this is just my opinion, I think he makes the best tongs that are out there. I've never no, seen yeah, anybody definitely. make nicer tongs than Dan Moss. But he has incredibly painstakingly detailed Video tutorials on how he does it. He's not he's not secretive about it at all. Um, mm. So once you've got a bit of skill going on, then then try and make some Dan Moss style tongs. Uh, Roy Adams is brilliant at giving nice, clean tutorials to beginners and getting you started in, in the uh, the craft. So anything you want to add, Nick?
0: Uh, my first set of tongs was a pair of dirty old vice grips. Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> uh, and I've made three sets of tongs. the simple ones that Sam mentioned um, and a couple cents. And I've found I'm cured from making tongs. I hate it. However, <laughs> it's something I might revisit in the future. So I have bought four pairs of tongs uh, basically because I value my time forking oh, yeah. Damascus and knives and whatnot. But I think it is a very important step to take. And, uh, you know, I want to be doing what's fun and I value my time more than... You know, making the stuff I want to be making, rather than making the tool that I need to do the thing. Um, so yeah, by all means, yeah, I, to to I bounce recommend- off
2: that, um, yeah. you know, like I I don't think it's a requirement that you make every set of tongs that you own. Yeah, no, absolutely, um, absolutely Alex and I are big proponents of at least making one set for yourself before you start <laughs> yeah. buying them because it's about building skill. Like I oh, hate making it. tongs. I absolutely abhor it. I can do it. I think, I'm not bad I at Sam's it, but I hate it. I am. And if I... <laughs> if I had more money, I would be buying all of my tongs. The only reason I make every set of tongs I own is because I am broke. <laughs> and
0: of course... <laughs> that, but the, that comes down to a... Oh, I that. It. it comes down to a... Yeah, you, you value your... What, what do you value more? Do, I, do you value mm-hmm. making the tool to be able to pay your bills? Or do you value spending the money that you should have for bills on uh on things that you'd know you can make yourself efficiently. you mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I, mean, I know I can't do it efficiently, so for me it's a hobby. I mean
1: Yeah. It's also um if- it's something I, I hammered into my my poor mate Broden, my long suffering mate Broden. Um that knowing how to make tongs is incredibly valuable if you're going to get serious with the craft because um Situations are going to come up where you're going to need a set of tongs that you don't have, and you may Absolutely. not necessarily be able to find a set of tongs that match that description. Um, and so, that's being it. able to make it is—it's the—it's the beauty of the craft because blacksmithing, as far as I know, is the only craft in which you make all of your own equipment, or can make yeah. all of your own equipment. Yeah. And that's and that's why.
2: <laughs> No, I was okay. to say that's why when you go into the old school blacksmith shops, they have like five thousand tongs on racks on the walls because they've come into they've come to hold one specific piece of stock that they can't hold, yeah. <laughs> so they had to make a new set of tongs and add it to the wall.
0: Yeah. That's it, and then you, with the skills you learn as well over time, you learn how to tune your tongs. Like they mm-hmm. all get bent out of shape and whatnot. I mean, if you've not made tongs before, you're not going to know how to.
1: How to tweak them, and that's a valuable skill. Oh yeah, don't do it cold. Mm. Always heat the steel yeah. first. Yeah, Broden. <laughs> 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 when, when's Broden coming
0: on for a roasting? Yeah, one day we'll get him. I we'll to get him on. He every did, did every week a, is Broden's Roast week. was very
1: fancy because it had copper inlay on it. And, mm. um, yeah. They, they, oh, good boy. They they copper a bit of use those ones, and they've held up well. So. Uh-huh, oh, copper bit of use. That's <laughs> right. You got that. one. <laughs> yeah. So
0: <laughs> yeah. eventually,
2: Alex is just going to have an entire shop full of stuff with copper inlay. Like all of his tools going to have copper inlay in them. <laughs> That's right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it's um, it's 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 just such a valuable. Um, ability to have but i'll tell you what i'll tell you what nicholas not you nick nicholas kerr we're talking to here i've got a challenge for you mate if you're going to make your own set of tongs make them without using your pliers make Mm. tongless tongs make a set of tongs without using any tongs it can be done It's it's a chicken and egg thing which came first the, the first set of tongs would have been made without the used tongs. So mm-hmm. go out, get some, go to, go to Bunnings, get some 12 mil steel, Still uh, square the handyman, what is it called? Handyman supplies, 12 <laughs> mil mile, one. or get some Rio or something. And uh, I won't give you any more hints than that. You need to work it out yourself. And if you do, send us a photo. We'll talk about it on the show.
0: Yeah. It can be done. That was my first pair of self-made
1: tongs. Damn straight. It's a good challenge tongless when you first start, because it starts getting your brain thinking like a blacksmith.
2: Hilariously, all of the tongs that I make are tongless tongs. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's a fun exercise, to be honest. And yeah. after a while, oh. it, when you start understanding the process of it, it clicks that it's actually one of the most efficient ways to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so hopefully that answers your question, Nicholas, and thanks for writing in. We hope to get more uh, more questions from you. Welcome to the fold.
2: Yeah.
1: Mm. So, um...
2: I, I noticed that we haven't asked uh, Nick, who's your inspiration this week?
0: Who's my inspiration? Well, he, funnily enough, this guy, a Canadian smith, he popped up in my Insta feed. A couple of weeks ago, and I've been blown away by his his craftsmanship, uh, his attention to detail, and the the simplicity in his work is breathtaking, and it's just exquisite. He's um, got about five thousand followers, and it's uh, Casey Valensky from Lynn Valley Forge. Uh, if you look him up, there's a few posts back. There's a sexy chatoyant blade out. You you love Chatoyant. I do I mean, love this. A bit thing of is, this thing is Chatoian. But his handles and his everything is just perfectly executed. It looks simple, but it's it's just perfectly executed craftsmanship. I mean he doesn't oh, he's not going for fancy schmancy, but yet it is just by it, it is something else. Like everything is there for a reason. And it's fit for purpose, and you can tell his blades are—it's just stunning. I want one one day.
1: Yeah, yeah. you get the get they, door get, door out their, out they get the chef seal of approval.
0: Oh, chef seal <laughs> of approval, absolutely. He, he does go for a little bit of a swept back heel, but it's nothing that's going to get you caught up. Um, and on the ones that are a little bit more pronounced, he's rounded that off, so you're not going to hook yourself on any of his knives. And oh, mate, I just. Well,
1: I love him. Yeah, yeah. I'm just looking that's at his, his work now. Quite, quite yeah. lovely. His um, yeah, nice. ability to knock out a beautiful Suba, uh, not Suba, um, yeah. Saya is Saya is incredible. You
0: the one that's matching, matching his uh, chopping board there. Yeah,
1: yeah. looks brilliant.
2: <laughs> the pin's throws.
1: Right. Yeah, something else. Clever fella. Clever fella. Yeah. Casey Walensky Definitely keep an eye on him.
0: Mm, mm. He's going to be an up and coming. I'm not sure how long he's been making for, but.
1: For... Yeah. yeah. Now, now, Nick, are we getting you in the? We're uh, we going, we going to see an entry from you in the forgecast competition.
0: Uh, for the. Uh, what the the carving wood carving set. tools. Wood, wood carving, carving tools to make a, a beautiful
1: set. Of wood carving tools that include at least a worn clip Whittler, a spoon gouge and a pole carving knife and well, show us that might, they work.
0: You might see one of the three from me. Uh, my time at the moment is very uh, thin between
1: having you a young sleep, baby do you? and that. Sleep no, he doesn't w-
2: get me with his, ba- with his baby either. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's it.
1: Put a hammer um, in its hand, put it to work.
0: I know, right? Actually, he has had a hammer in his hand, and he loves it. So this this kid's going to be practical. (laughs) But I'll definitely be giving it a a fair shot with the time that I have.
1: Yeah, wonderful. So um, the prizes for it are going to be stabilised blocks of beautiful timber from Otway Fiddleback. Uh, Definitely go and check out what the sorts of things that Ryan has to offer there. It's Otway underscore Fiddleback on Instagram. And first prize is three blocks. they uh,
0: pretty um, scarce at the moment. I've heard a little rumour that uh, his stabilisers not uh, doing any stabilisation for the I next I know anymore. poor old so oh.
1: busted a VFD. Oh, sucks Ugh. for everyone. I'm a little sus yep. on old Dino there because you know it coincided with a new baby entering the scene. I reckon he's like, oh <laughs> shit, spilled my drink on my VFD. Can't do any stabilising for a little while. <laughs> Whoopsie. Butterfingers, yep. <laughs> so you yeah, better yeah. get in
2: on it because it might be the last stopway. Fiddle back for a while. Mm. No,
1: he, Ryan's a crafty guy. He's got connections all over the place. Don't don't you oh. stress. But mm. um, everything he puts out, I've, I actually have got some um, behind the scenes glimpses of what he's got coming up. And good heavens, good heavens, so be, people!
0: I've been trying to get some of this guy's wood for. Uh, since you guys mentioned him on the Forgecast a while ago,
1: actually. And I'm just... Sure. It, it is just hard to come quick. by. It yeah. does.
0: you got to set those notifications on and bang. He starts posting,
1: there. they start selling. It's crazy. That's and It's, it. be- it's because yeah. he's got the best stuff. Like it's, he And it's stabilized by Dean at Reclaim Creative. And he's one of the best in the business, if not the best in the business. It's just yeah. incredible quality product. So if you want to win it, First prize is three blocks. Second prize, two blocks. Third prize is a block delivered wherever you are on the freaking planet. So get in it. You got no excuse not to. Sam, you got a you know Perth knife show coming up. You need some handle blocks.
2: Oh yeah, I do. But uh, I'm not going to get any from him, unfortunately. <laughs> I don't think I'm gonna be getting anyone from anywhere. I've got plenty to deal with. But it's alright, Actually, see. thanks. I'll be thanks to yourself. Ryan. <laughs> Yeah, They might get here like the day before the show. <laughs> when is the show? <laughs> uh, February, so, uh, February 11th, I believe. I'll have
0: to ship I'm Express. I'm have book some time off to come and see you. Yeah, you will.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely.
1: If I don't get Literally a selfie a from you two during the show, I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. dear. Well, Nick, where can people um, find you? I know you mentioned at the start of the show, but refresh their... Their ailing memories. They've been too caught up by listening to our gorgeous baritones.
0: <laughs> so uh, if you're not if you're not uh, watching me smoke up meats at Long Neck Brewery on the river there, or smashing burgers and slinging pizzas, uh, you can find me at uh, Bogan Blades and on uh, Instagram. Excellent. Uh, yeah, all one word, no underscores.
1: That's it. Thanks. Brilliant. Well, thanks heaps for coming on the show and giving us your insight because it's, it's always good you're hearing welcome. from Thank somebody that's actually using knives all day.
0: I will give you one tip as well. If you're making chef's knives, they have got to be thin. Like all, all yeah. too often, you see these uh, almost battle axes of six mil. <laughs> it's <it'd be> a <laughs> town with a forty-five degree edge on it, and it's that. That axe It's not. That's not a chef's knife. So, yeah, yeah that's a hot tip.
1: Yeah. Brilliant. Thin, 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 Yeah. Yeah. Well, don't forget, listeners, if you want to ask questions of the show, just send them on through to ask at uh, gmail.com. Um, probably best not to shoot them through to Sam and I's personal accounts because we get a lot of messages and it gets lost in the fold. So send through to the Thank Forgecast you. and it'll get through to us that way. Um, But, yeah, thanks for coming on the show, Nick. It's been a hoot. You're welcome. Uh, We'll see you around the weeds, I'm sure. Oh,
0: absolutely, yeah. I (laughs) want to be a bit more... My goal for this year is to be more active on social media. I mean, you know, it's been a bit of a loss lately, but that's what it is. (laughs) Life gets in the way.
1: That's it, yeah. Life does happen. It's a dangerous business. I've never met anyone that's come out of it alive. Oh, it's Mm. crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so if people are looking for you, Sam, where can they find you?
2: As always, they can find me at Sam Towns Bladesmith on Facebook, Instagram, Etsy, YouTube, Patreon, Redbubble, The Kitchen Sink, My and kitchen Twitch. Sink? Um, where can, <laughs> where can they find you, Alex?
1: I go by Valhalla Ironworks, and you can find me on Facebook and Instagram, YouTube, Redbubble, not Etsy at the moment. I've put it into holiday mode. Um, and not Twitch at the moment, because I'm too bloody busy. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Follow me on Instagram. It's where I'm most active. But I do have some YouTube content coming up.
2: You might catch his
1: dances on his stories. Yeah, right. <laughs> make sure you keep those stories at the front of the line. See those I want to see,
0: see your jiggy jiggy to boy. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm going to have to give that a listen after the show. Oh, you're going to have to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we will see everybody again with a fresh episode next week. Hope you're all doing well and keeping those fires lit. Yeah. bye guys bye